Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A Lucid Life Podcast. Today is January 27th, 2020. I actually just got back home from recording what is the first official guest episode of A Lucid Life. So I've just got back home from recording with my first ever guest for the show. And I just wanted to re-record some stuff right now. I haven't actually listened to the episode yet, but there was a couple of things that I forgot to mention uh, when I was with my guest in regards to Kobe Bryant. So I'm just going to kind of do this as the intro um, less than 24 hours ago. Well, actually, for me, it's it's now been over 24 hours. A legend left this planet. Um, a very prominent figure in my life, a very consistent role model and a consistent face that I saw every day in my home, um, left the earth in Kobe Bryant. I'm currently wearing his number eight jersey, and the last time that I fucking wore this jersey was his final day uh, with the Lakers organization when he's when he fucking scored 60 points against the Utah Jazz and essentially eliminated them from the playoffs in his career send-off. He passed away on Sunday the 26th and it was it's it's going to be a day that I always remember like it, we all go through we all have moments in our life where events happen and you never forget where you were you never forget what you were doing when you found out that something happened like everyone in their experience in life has these moments where something so big and so impactful and so meaningful to you personally occurs and you're never able to forget where you were, what you were feeling or what you were doing. And this is absolutely one of those moments for me. And I know this is, this was absolutely one of those moments for millions, if not no bullshit billions of people on this planet. Cause Kobe Bryant was one of those transcendental figures, not only in just sports, but in entertainment. And he was just such a, an icon globally. You know, he was, I don't know how many people there are in China, but I know there's a lot more than there are in the U.S. And I know that Kobe was such a a global figure with the fact that he he spoke several different languages and the fact that he visited so many different countries and was so big in the game of basketball. I'm very confident in saying that he what he had touched the lives of billions of people, not just millions. But January 26, 2020 is always going to be a... a an intense memory for me personally because the day started really fucking good for me um you know january 26th i woke up after having two lucid dreams which is a rare occurrence for me of having multiple multiple lucids in a in an evening it, it hasn't happened very often it, it happened more often when i'd be consistent my record was four in one night but um two in a night has been rare lately and one of the ones that I had on the 26th was, uh, it involved Fidel. And for those that don't know, but for everyone that does, I'm just going to regurgitate the same thing. Fidel was my 90 plus pound pit bull mix, who is a love of my life, the light of my life. And the reason why I believe I was put on this earth was to meet because of the evolution that occurred from him being in my life. At that point on the 26th, it was 178 days since he left his body, since I watched him leave. And in that time span, I'd been more focused on lucid dreaming because I wanted to be able to see him again. I was so 
I'm still so fucking heartbroken over it. I still fucking cry every day over him. And lucid dreaming has been the one thing that I could do to kind of see him and to ease some of that pain that I feel every day. And I've had normal dreams with him since in these 100 and now 79 days. Um, but I, I only really count the lucid ones because every other normal dream that I have, I don't see it as me. I see it as my ego self in the dream interacting because I'm, it's just, I'm just reacting and observing whatever is going on. And so even though I might see Fidel in those dreams, I never count that as me because it doesn't feel like me. I'm not fully present. So why would I consider that being me? So on the 26th, this was my fifth, this was my fifth time of, of actually feeling like it was me getting to see him. You know, I became lucid and I had an intention of wanting to go back to the first moment that I ever saw him. And I don't think I asked it correctly. I don't think I worded it correctly because that's not what happened. But basically, I became lucid and stated my intention. And then I, there was like a pillow next to me. So I kind of stu like stuck my face in the pillow and I started sort of like digging through it as if it was soft mud, like soft dirt that I was able to go through. And I'm seeing these images like passing by me and I'm hearing this music passing by me as I'm going through the earth, quote unquote, the pillow earth, quote unquote. And then all of a sudden I find myself in my room and then there, there he is. There's Fidel and like, I'm getting fucking all emotional just talking about it, but, um, I see him and I just start fucking breaking down because I know that this is the fifth time that it's me and it's him since he left. And I, I, I just fucking start bawling in the lucid dream, like scream bawling, like guttural, visceral bawling my eyes out. And I'm just hugging on him and loving on him and fucking, it was beautiful. And so the day started off really fucking good in that sense that, because I was so grateful for the, for the fact that I got to see him now five times since he's left. And each time it means more to me as time passes in this physical reality. And so, and so, um, you know, the day started off good and I go to work and I do my thing and I'm at work and the day's fine, I guess. And I'm leaving work and I'm talking to my buddy. We're just talking and I, I get back to my car and I, I go on Instagram and I see a post from Gary V. He has a post that is just a picture of Kobe. And the, the caption says, oh, God, please no. And I get this sinking feeling like, what? 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 What What just happened? Why? Why is he posting this? And I go in the comments and everybody in the comments is just, <laughs> is just asking questions. Like, nobody really knows what's happening. And I go on Twitter and I type in Kobe Bryant, and all that's coming up initially is just the fact that less than 24 hours at that point, less than 24 hours ago at that point, LeBron James passed Kobe Bryant on the all-time scoring list. So all the things that I'm seeing are just rehashing that and rebringing that up. And so I'm like, okay, what the fuck is happening? What the fuck is happening? And I'm scrolling, and I'm scrolling, and I'm scrolling, and then I see somebody post a thing of, um, of TMZ, like a screenshot of TMZ saying that he died in a helicopter crash and i'm just like what the fuck no this can't be real this isn't real there's no way this is real this is fake this is bullshit this is a lie like i'm i'm, I'm trying to 
I'm trying to make it not real because I don't want it to be real. In my mind, I was convinced that this was somebody was just faking this. Somebody was just doing some bullshit and lying. Like I remember Sinbad, the comedian. It was probably like 2007, but it feels like a lot longer. But I remember somebody did this to him and saying that he fucking died, and they changed his Wikipedia page saying that he died, and he had to he had to come out and make a social media account just to say that he was still alive and he talked about it in his comedy special. Like these motherfuckers said I was dead, but I'm not dead. And so I'm convinced that somebody's doing this to Kobe because there's a lot of sick people out there that just do that say these types of things just to get attention for whatever reason. So I'm thinking that that's what this is, that somebody's just doing a sick joke for clicks and I go on TMZ I Google TMZ, and on the actual TMZ website, it says he's dead. And then I start seeing other things saying that he's dead. And so I go on. I'm still not believing it. And so I go on. I turn on ESPN Radio. They're not talking about it. They're talking about the Super Bowl. So I go on Fox Sports Radio, but and they're talking about it. <clears throat> and then, you know, it all just it all just became real. Once Adrian Wojnarowski confirmed it, it... It became very real, and then you learn that his daughter, Gigi, his daughter, Gianna, was also on the helicopter with him, and there were other families and other children involved that were all heading to the Mamba Sports Academy for, I think it was practice or a game or something. It was something involving them, and it's just so fucking sad, you know? Kobe Bryant was such a powerful figure in my life in the pre-Fidel days. Really, I feel like there's four faces that have shaped me into who I currently am speaking to you right now. The first one would be Michael Jordan. He was the first idol, the first hero I ever had. He was the reason why I wanted to pick up basketball and why I got into sports in general. And he's really the first thing that I think instilled some of the fire that I have in me was him. But I was still very, very young at the time, so... When he left the game, and he left the game multiple times, but every time he left the game, I like couldn't watch the game anymore. I was like sick. Like I loved him more than I loved the game. And Kobe Bryant was he he was like my MJ. You know, I grew up in Chicago. I was born in Chicago, but Kobe Bryant ended up becoming a longer version of MJ because I got to watch him for twenty years versus MJ. I only really I think probably got to watch for eight, six, if, if you count, you know, being a fucking infant, you know, all that, and I would watch him from afar and see his obsession and how his attention to detail and how consistent he was and how competitive he was, and there's him, and then there's, in the later years of my life, there's Joe Rogan, and then there's Fidel, those are the four faces that really, I believe, have shaped <clears throat> my consciousness into what it is now and you know it's been it's been a fucking tough time and this is the first time that I've cried over anything other than Fidel in the 179 days since Fidel left his body my heart goes out to Kobe my heart goes out to his daughter Gigi my heart goes out to the other families that lost their lives and the families and friends of those who were on board and fucking Vanessa Vanessa Bryant and the other daughters and everyone in Laker Nation, everyone on the planet that that has been touched by Kobe Bryant, and I know that there's a lot. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, with that being said, 
Um, I just wanted to get that out there, but now I'm going to go ahead and get this episode started. And uh, with that being said, uh, I hope you all enjoy the first official guest episode of A Lucid Life Podcast. Thank you. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of A Lucid Life Podcast. Once again, I am Patrick Arthur, and I am here with I'm here with my friend AJ. Hello, AJ. Hi. Hi. In his documentary Muse, which he, I don't remember the year he released it. I want to say it was like 2015 or 2016. The very first minute of the documentary, it talks about he's talking to the camera about how one of the worst dreams he ever had. He was he was on a basketball court. The stands were completely filled. There was all these people. He's driving to the basket to try to score, and he gets in the paint. He's like trying to score. Like he's trying to jump, and he can't. And he's lucid for it. And so once he becomes lucid for it, he's like, okay, I can fucking get through this. I can muscle through this. I can just fucking jump. But no matter what he did, no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't jump. Hmm. His feet were like cement. And he just couldn't jump. But I, he didn't say in the thing how old he was and when that was. So I'm very curious as to when that happened. Yeah. The, but the fact that he's one of the few people that I've known in this life. Like up until you... There was probably like only less than 10 people I'd ever known, like on a personal level, that where I could say like, oh, fucking them? They're a lucid dreamer? Like they've mm. had lucid, like very few people have I ever known. And yeah. I think the population is like less than 20% of the population is able to do it or some shit like that. Maybe I feel like less. 20% make claim. Yeah. And then there's the actual number. Who knows what that is? Yeah. Could be even higher. Yeah. I don't know. But in terms of my personal life experience, I it's I always get excited whenever I bump into somebody who can fucking do it or who knows about it. Mm-hmm. You understand shit on a deeper and on a very specific level that most people just don't get and haven't experienced, truthfully. So when I saw that on the documentary, it was like a whole other level of my appreciation for him. Because yeah. I, I watched him from afar for as long as I was a kid. I was born in Chicago. I lived there until I was eight. And then we moved me and my mom because she was having a really really fucking hard time and she needed to be closer to her family yeah and we moved out and i grew up a bulls fan so i loved michael jordan like when mike retired i couldn't watch basketball for like a year and a half or some shit i was so heartbroken by it (laughs) but then kobe was there and he reminded me so much of mike in every single facet of his game and his personality and his just will and his work ethic that it brought me back to the game and watching him was like a fucking, it was like an artist on a canvas. Just fucking everything, every day that he showed up to work, you knew something special was going to happen. And his will to just win and to not give up, I think speaks a lot to who the person is that we have come to know as being Kobe Bryant. You want to know how, how weird this is? His wife, Vanessa, went to the same high school that I went to. Really? Yeah. Whoa. She graduated. Trippy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and, love the universe. Yeah, yeah right? Like, <laughs> she, cool. she graduated from Marina High School, which is in Huntington Beach in 2000. I was the year 2007. And, like, the odds of it all happening the day after something as big in the sports world as fucking LeBron James passing his record on the all-time scoring list. I was like, this is a fucking, like, this has to be a dream that we're living in. Like, this is a fucking simulation. The odds are, has to be so astronomically small for it to take place at that time span. Like, what? It's just a, it's, it's a trip to think about because it's like, these figures seem like they're larger than life and they're untouchable and fucking, Kobe absolutely had that mystique about him. And you just wonder, like, I wonder what were those last few moments like? Like, I drove up here yeah. and I was, I was telling you this, that on, mm-hmm. on the radio up here, 
I think they were doing this from the jump on ESPN, but Tracy McGrady, who was an all-time, all-time great basketball player and knew Kobe Bryant really well, was saying that Kobe used to always tell him that he wanted to die young. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, on when I heard Tracy say that, there was a part of me that, one, understood that. Because yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. I feel the same way, <laughs> I too. I don't want to make it past a certain age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to say the date, but I feel like I know when it is. I feel like I have a sense of when it's going to happen. Um, And I understood that. I was like, okay. It's part of it. It's just part of it. And when it made me feel like, okay, he was probably more at peace with it. And then the other part of it is like his fucking 13-year-old daughter was with him. That's the part that makes you go from, yeah, it's okay because he understood to, yikes, this just got into like a whole other thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard for me to think about. I mean, obviously, it's hard for anybody to think about. The people that knew Kobe Bryant say that they envision them, like, the moment as being, like, he would grab his daughter and tell her it was going to be all right, even though he knew it wasn't. On some level, it's like, like, okay, like, just moving past the specific Kobe, we'll move into, like, what do you, how do you view death? What do you think death is? I don't see death as death i see it as a release in energetic form i well there's so many different ways i see it honestly to be completely honest it it's beautiful in the fact that it it's what you want it to be it can be heaven it can be like all right let's go to the next life what do you got for me now what can i learn now or like okay i want to relax for a bit and then come back and learn some more it's so many different things that it's hard to pick just one but for me specifically I like to think of it as a release from a body a physical and and a a birth into a new dimension Mm -hmm. because how you work through earth and life is through levels and I believe when you pass on you go through certain levels depending on what you were able to learn here as a school graduation. So you think that <clears throat> that life is like a school, essentially? Like yes. you're here to learn something. 100%. Yeah. And that's just karmic path to me. Yeah. Death it is, could be anything. I, I kind of agree with that in the sense that it could be, it is what you make of it. Like, it could be anything. You could be going to heaven. You could be reincarnated. You could... There'd mm-hmm. be... No, there's fucking nothing. It's just we drown in the dirt. We drown if in you the want dirt. purgatory, by all means, make yeah. your own purgatory. Yeah. But you will make what you... Like, the very... You know, it's one of those things we don't know until it actually happens. But, like, the feeling right. that I get from <clears> it and, and the experiences that I've had, like... It feels like there's definitely something that happens after. Like, the experiences that I've had in this life have told me that... I, I just don't believe that this is all that there is, you know? No way. Like, like what? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> There's like, no way. Um, my experience with myself is, like, you know, because there's different versions of Patrick that have existed, right? There was, mm-hmm. the way I view us, like our species, is I think of us as being really monkeys that are just walking around here. Totally. You know? And we... I love that. We have, like, it's so true. You know, I look at us as being fucking monkeys that are walking upright and have all these things called clothes and we drive these things called cars mm. and work at these things called jobs. But if you took all of that away, if fucking a, a meteor came down and mm. fucked up the planet and now everyone is living back in like 
where we were a couple of hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. How would we behave? Are we going to still do these fucking things called jobs? Are we still going to fucking be driving these things called cars or going, you know? I think there's more monkey DNA in our systems than we really give credit to mm-hmm. or are we fully are aware of. Yeah, we're, we're fucking animals. animals. Yeah. And we should embrace that. In a sense. In a sense, yeah. In a sense. I agree. To an extent. To an extent, yeah. To an extent, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll get into the, the people that ex- that embrace blew it to it. a full extent. Yeah, yeah. Fucking blew <laughs> they it. They just took they that idea and jumped the whole thing, thing with it, yeah. You fucked us yeah. as monkeys. Yeah. Come on, we were just having a good time. Um, but yeah, so to an extent. And then on the other side of that, there's also some fucking thing that is happening to us. And I feel like it's happening at a much more intense rate The DNA now. level. Like something. Like something is awakening in our species, I feel like. And more of us are becoming... Agreed. Like in my experience, and this is going back to the whole Fidel thing. I guess I could just tell this story now just for the sake of this conversation. But oh. for people that don't know, when I first Whatever. met AJ, and that's cool. When I first met AJ, I was like, God damn, this chick is fucking intense, you know? Oh, yeah. I get everybody, everyone who meets me has said that exact same thing. Mm-hmm. To an extent. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of get it. Given what I know about your history, you know, like that's sort of like the yeah. mask that we put out and fucking that's the energy we use to go about our day to help us Please get through Please stay away from me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just fuck off, man. I'm just trying to do my goddamn day. <laughs> So for a while, like, there would be times at our place of work where I mentioned lucid dreaming and I heard you pop up and say something or someone else oh would talk God. about astral it's projecting. Like, like, hmm, interesting. It's like bunny ears yeah. when that happens. Yeah. And then what I don't, I don't remember exactly how it, the conversation started, but the day when we were waiting at where yeah. we clock out and everything, yeah. we just started, something happened and then it was like, oh, you fucking have experienced a lot of the same shit that I have. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So there's more to this than fucking I, my monkey self was allowing me to believe. You know what I mean? You're a monkey too. Yeah, yeah. Because like, there's a thing in our brains that will, in the human experience, we all have this thing that I call the ego, which in my experience has been the thing that allows me to want more and to, like, I feel like my competitive nature, because I'm really fucking competitive. Oh, oh, me too. It almost to a fault. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's, It's definitely got, yeah. I feel that. I think that thing is the ego. And I feel like that that thing is this is the voice <clears throat> in our head that like that was there to help us survive in the days when we were still getting chased by yeah. a big predator. Fight or flight. Fight or flight. Yeah. Like you fuck some shit up or you get yeah. fucked up or we get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a voice in our head mm-hmm. that I, I that for the majority of my life I feel like that was the only one that I heard. Yeah. Was this one? I can I can relate to that. It was it was also the voice that kept me like as strange as it, as it is like it it made me feel like I was better than everyone but at the same time less than them. Yes, I feel the same way. It was, for me, it was like when I was in the presence of others, I was like, you don't even know mm-hmm. like how good I am at whatever it is. Like, and then by myself, I'm like, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Like to myself in the mirror, like. Yeah. You suck like you're the worst, but around other people, I would hold myself a different way. Like yes. nose up, whatever, chest out. Yeah. Total peacock, whatever. Yeah. Peacock. Yeah. I like that. Peacocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it took me a while to relax the peacock. Yeah. And I still have it, but it's very much a part of who I am mm-hmm. because I've been fucked with so much. And I love that journey because it's brought me to this point of like, you can fuck with me if you if you try go ahead sure why not 
But now that I see this, oh, an eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. But you can also, you have that choice. You don't have to make it. You don't have to do anything. But you have that choice. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it feels like, like I like what you said about the peacocking. Because yeah. that, that was something that one of my old acting teachers, Andy Salvo, used to say. It was like, we're, we're fucking peacocking. You know, we're going around pretending totally. like this is, we're this thing or we're not this thing. So I call it the ego. One of my teachers called it the inner critic. Uh, I think Aubrey Marcus calls it like the like the inner child or the fucking something. The like, inner child. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah. There, I saw this one thing that was talking about the seven dwarves of misery. You could probably Google that, but yeah, it's like it's the thing that makes you feel like you're better than everyone, or makes you feel like you're worse. And I think it's also the thing that allows for a lot of the, at least for me, my my improv, my ability to yes and, I feel like comes from this thing because it's so reactionary. Yes. Everything is reacting. Mm-hmm. I'm listening and reacting. And da 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 da. I think it's, I think it plays a part in why Kobe was, and people like Kobe, and like you're competitive, I'm competitive, and mm-hmm. whoever is listening might be very competitive. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's the main driving force in a lot of that competitive nature in people is like that monkey self, that ego self. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that there's another thing that we have and I didn't know it and I didn't ever become aware of it until Fidel came into my life. That's a lie. The first time, the first time I ever heard it, the first time I ever heard it was the day I got clean from meth when I was in jail. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in jail. I just gotten busted with this girl that I was, that I'd known for fucking since middle school. She was like more into heroin. I was more into meth and it was like this fucking (laughs) a beautiful yet tragic. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fucking mess for sure. And we (laughs) loved it at the time. Loved it at the time. That was so worth it. I was was just, (laughs) yeah, I was just as addicted to her as I was to drugs, but Oh, I get it. um, I'm getting busted or we're in, I'm in jail at this point and we're separated and fucking, I hear this voice from the left side of my head. I don't, I didn't realize it at the time that that's where it came from. Only in hindsight now, and when I look back at it, can I actually figure out like, that's where it was. That's what that was. Yeah. But basically at the time I heard this voice popping in my head that I'd never heard before. And it was very fucking loud. And it said, if you don't do something now, you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. And then Mm -hmm. I fucking saw it and addicts and recovery and addiction and NA and AA call this the, the moment of clarity, the epiphany essentially that you get when you're like, I'm fucking up. Yeah. I'm fucking up. Yeah. And that's the moment where you either keep going the way that you've been going or you change. And in that moment, I was like, I'm fucking changing. And from that day mm-hmm. forth, I, that was August 20, 2010. I haven't done meth. I haven't been around meth except for when I got rid of the stuff I had when I got out of jail. Right. And I haven't like desired meth at all. Even when I've had the weird smells coming back into my system and all yeah. this. You know what I mean? You get little whiffs and it takes you back for yeah. a second. You have like a that's the raven moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but so that was the first time I heard this other voice. Up until then, I'd only heard what I perceive as being my ego. The, the addict's called the voice of the addiction. The fucking, you know what okay. I mean? The inner critic, the artist, the monkey self, whatever. The thing that always says, I need more, I need more. This is what makes me me. I need more, I need more. I never stop that fucking tunnel vision. Yeah, for Kobe Bryant, his totally tunnel, tunnel vision, vision was basketball. You know what I mean? Yes. That's the thing that J.K. Rowling got for Harry Potter, the fucking tunnel vision. You know, yeah. The, um, I call it channeling. Channeling, yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like there, There's many different words to describe the same thing that we all experience based on our own perspectives yes. of our life, right? Mm-hmm. But at that time, I'd only heard that fucking ego voice. And it was all, for me, it was always so fucking negative. And while people may have thought I was funny or that I was fun to be around, I was able to go from group to group to group and kind of 
yeah. fit in wherever I wanted Master to. Master of disguise. Yeah. Yes. So that was the first time I heard anything else other than that voice. And it was always like a, like this one, the ego voice is fucking like screaming. It's super loud. Oh, it's, if yeah. I, if I ever heard anything else, it was like, and then it would be out. Like I, I barely could, it barely even registered in my head that something else even happened, right. if at all. Which in hindsight, it didn't because I never fucking, I always heard this one. When I met Fidel, after we, after he was out and I got him the whole story, I'll go into another time. But mm-hmm. the first walk that we had with him being mine and me being his, we're walking, I'm living in West Hollywood at the time and it's nighttime. And I remember we're, I want to say it was, I think it was Laurel or the street right next to Laurel. But oh, you still live with him? Yeah, I used to live across from Seth Rogen, actually. Yeah. Oh, shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. He's a cool dude. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, there's this one house that was getting, like, worked on. You know those green mesh tents that you'll see in front of houses? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, there was one of those there, and it was nighttime, and we're walking, and I remember the, the sidewalk was all fucking uneven of course like the tree had been uprooted yep. and, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm walking and there's this guy that's ahead of us walking in our direction and again it's at nighttime oh i'm excited and i hear mm-hmm. this i'm walking with fidel and i just hear this voice say we have to cross the street we have to cross the street mm-hmm. he's gonna do something yeah, yeah, he's gonna yeah. do something and i'm looking at fidel and he's like fucking just walking he's just walking his he's just walking thing. he's just doing his thing and i just keep hearing this voice we gotta cross the street we gotta cross go, the street go, he's go. gonna do something and then like fucking just after hearing that a few times all of a sudden this other voice from the left side of my brain so if if you're specifically specifically from the left side of my brain i hear this other voice saying keep going straight you're fine and it was like so fucking clear so i just i was like what the fuck was that so i just kept walking straight Hmm. we passed the guy fidel doesn't do anything the guy doesn't do anything and i just feel this fucking like like, I don't know how to describe it. I felt like, like your light. blood, your blood was rushing, but it wasn't your blood that was actually rushing. Something like through, kind of like when if you. It were was like a hold, washing over yeah. type of thing or something. I, but it wasn't like in your body. It was over, like energetically. Did you feel like almost like water? Maybe I, I, uh, I don't remember so much that. I remember what happened right after. Okay, that. go ahead. So the so he just walks by and absolutely nothing. Yeah, it was just You're totally like, okay. fun. And I was just like, that same voice from the left side then says, this is the voice of the ego. And then from the right side of my brain, specifically from the right side of my head, I can feel that same energy that I was feeling when he, it was saying, cross the street, scared, cross the street. Like yes, anxious. like fear and everything. And I feel this like, you know, a squid and an octopus when they're scared, they'll fucking like yep. squirt out ink. So it says, this is the voice of the ego. And I feel this thing. And then this almost like ink sensation go from here all the way and for those that can't see i'm going from like my right from like temple. the top of your head yeah yeah from like the top of the right side of my head all the way down on the right side of my body and i can feel like this kind of ink thing just floating kind of melting like, yeah like melting it was like a spray and then it was just huh. and i can feel it like spreading and then the, the voice on the left said remember this feeling this mm. is the voice of the ego remember what this feels like and then it was just it was all gone and so ever since then, I've been able to be much more aware of when, like, when... Anything? My, pretty much. I'm much more aware of anything. And so, like, 
the more research I did before I was... A new sense. A new sense? A new sense, yeah. Dude, it felt like I was a completely different human being. Like, and this is the moment that I really attribute to me... What I being like the people use the word woke a lot, right? I just like to say that I was aware of myself. I was lucid of myself. This is the moment that I became a fully, in my mind, this is the moment I was born. Like an AI realizing what it is. Yeah, yeah. something, something like that. And but you know, like not. Yeah. But you know what I mean. Yes, I do. I do <laughs> and know y'all what you know mean. what I mean. And so like, it was like, uh, yeah, like an AI being born. All of a sudden, yeah. I realized like, holy Woke shit. Up. I, I, yeah, I woke up and I was like, I've been running around with this thing on the right side of my head this entire time of my life. And then I realized like, how many, fu- everyone else is fucking running around with this same thing. And no one's talking about this. Like the fact that the, the easiest example that I can have for people that don't, if there's anyone out there that's like, huh, the fuck are you talking about, bro? All right, let me, let me give, give you an time. example. <laughs> let me give you an example. There's a cute girl, cute guy that you like that's in your school, right? You like them. They're very cute. They're the hottest thing. You so just want cute. so fucking cute. Oh, Becky, holy shit. Hell yeah. Tommy, goddamn, look at those arms. <laughs> right? They're fucking, they're, they're all you're thinking about. Peacock. You're smitten on them. And there's the voice in your head that's like, I need to fucking talk to them. Mm-hmm. I gotta go fucking talk to them. But then there's that other voice that's like, no, I can't fucking talk to them. They're not gonna like me. What am I, like what am I fucking, they're disgusting. Why would they, why like would they ever like you? Yeah, they're so leave? fucking perfect. Just go and fucking talk to them. Just go and fucking talk to them. The fact that there's two things happening right there. Have you ever considered why is that happening? Why am I ever, why am I able to feel these two different things going Mm. at each other within my own self? What is that? I think that's what it is. That's the thing that I, that I never fucking like realized until I was fucking 20, I think I was 26 years old with Mm. Fidel. He was the reason why I was able to ever become aware of it. And then every moment that I had in my life before, like the moment I got clean where I hear this voice say, if you don't change, you're going to fucking spend the rest of your life in jail. Yeah. Like, I was able to attribute it to that. I was like, this is what that was. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And then... Almost like a foreshadowing. Sort of, mm-hmm. yeah. It was, it, yeah. Like, this is what you're going to get in the future, but you're too fucking... You don't... You're like, too here's young. here's a taste of it yes. first. You just need to know that this exists. Yes. And that you'll get there. Yeah, but you're but not you there But you need yet. to make the choice now. Yeah. Where would you like to go? Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because, like, if I had made... If I had been more aware at the time in recovery... Like the, when I went into recovery and I got clean from meth, I was still my ego self. I yeah. may I may have stopped like with the stuff, <laughs> but I ran around. You're just a better version of your ego self. Like and, yes, yeah. yes, and I was not shy about telling people that I was fucking. I'm, I'm been clean from meth oh, since fucking. Yeah. I've been two years clean, and I, I felt yeah. like I was better than people because I was clean. And I ran around and like I remember. And it's like the same trap almost. It is. It's, it's the exact same, just different labels. Mm-hmm. Exact same. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I was still my monkey self, just peacocking around and just yeah so that's what i really want to get into is what the fuck is all that shit because i've even when i've done things like mushrooms when i've done Mm. oh yeah okay salvia Ah! salvia okay oh salvia oh we don't allow demons in here i'm totally fine with that you know when we were talking before and you were saying and you said you had said sativa like when we were at work yes Yes. My brain, for whatever reason, heard salvia. salvia. That's They're what very like, similar. Oh, no, 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 and no. I've done, I've made the same mistake before, just yeah. with friends. And I'm like, what, what did you just say? Yeah. Like, how dare you? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> Give me some DMT. I'd much rather try <laughs> But, so, screw the salvia for right now. The yes. lucid dreaming stuff. I'll put that on the shelf for now. <laughs> the lucid dreaming stuff. When did you get started with that? What was, like, how did you first okay. start? I, I'm talking to be about completely me. honest, <laughs> um, started 
really, really young without knowing what was actually going on. Mm. I would become, I remember my very first lucid dream. Really? I do. Okay. And, and to this day, I think back on it and I'm like, you little girl, like, you have no idea what, like, life is like, oh, I get giddy for her. Because I'm just like, you're going to experience so many cool things. Yeah. But I was dreaming that I was at my school. Like, I was like, it was like a Montessori, mm-hmm. whatever. And it was kind of on a hill. So the playground, you had to walk down, like, a couple floors of stairs to get to. And I remember, like, standing at the top of the stairs, looking down towards, like, the field. And I just jumped. Mm. And, like, instinctively, I knew to jump. But I, my body was scared, so I started, like, flapping yeah. my arms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... And it clicked almost, and I was, like, going almost kind of like octopus moves, like, almost, like, swaying my arms in a way. Mm -hmm. And I was, like, floating and flying above the field, and I felt home. Mm. It felt familiar. Yeah. Like, I knew I had done it before. And, like, I would always go to my mom and be like, Mom, I'm fucking Peter Pan. Like, (laughs) you don't even know. You are 17. (laughs) You are six years old. How do you know what sex is? Jesus. Y'all don't even know. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, okay, so that was my very first experience. Whoa. Um, super cool. I have, like, bits and pieces, like, fragmented memories of lucid dreams throughout the years, but what's really important to me now is remembering the day after it happens, like, in the morning, I should say, and then let it go because I, I want room for more. Unless you're, like, on a fucking mission to find, like... To do shit there. The, yeah, like to if you're going to a specific spot and it's taking you a while to get there, you don't really need to listen to what I just said. But <laughs> I mean, I don't need I'm I don't have a mission like that, so I don't need to remember. But practicing was a bitch. Mm-hmm. It is still the biggest journey of my life to continue to practice this. Like to be diligent about it. To, oh, it's a discipline. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh it's it, a yeah. discipline. For those that don't know, man, the one of the, because uh, like we're naturally, and this is such a weird thing that our society does with sleep in general and dreams in general. We discount dreams as being nothing, or it's just some fucking shit that we do. So, I hate that. It, yeah, it's, it's like a pity or a pet peeve. Kind of. Yeah. You know, my probation officer, when I fucking after I'd gotten clean from mm-hmm. meth, when I was finally living as hearing after hearing that other voice, and now living as the best version of my monkey self, right? Yeah. I'm telling, I, that's when I, that's when I first really started getting into lucid dreams. I had my first one before this when I was still in the in-between of using and not using meth. Did it feel per- like someone else was kind of doing it to you? Like it's a purposeful thing that happens when it first happens to you? It's like, yo, like a flick on the nose. Like, hello. I mean, it, no and, one else agrees with that, but like, I feel, I, well, and at, not at agrees, the, at not the, agrees, but. At the moment it happened, I would say no, I didn't. But I was so fucking unaware of myself and everything. How would I? But in hindsight, and what I know about my life now, like no. yeah, I could see that okay. it probably was the moment. Because how I found out about it was in a in a col- I was taking a college class at Golden West in Huntington Beach. So fucking hoity-toity college in Huntington no, Beach. No, look at you. I know. I know. <laughs> It was so a fancy. it was a psychology class, and there was one section about Sigmund Freud and uh, his thought that dreams were for wish fulfillment, and that's all that they were, and that like we had a 
It's like, not, it's just a fantasy. Don't bother with it kind basically, of thing. Yeah, basically. Like, you uh, dream because there's some shit that you're not doing in your waking life that you want to do. a horrible way to live. And, yeah, and he, he was a very big believer of, like, all men have, like, some unconscious desire to fuck their mom and all this type of shit. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like he was, Jeez, I'm going to have to do some research yeah, on this yeah. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, like, he did a lot of breakthrough stuff, but he was also, a lot of his stuff was very... Just out, yeah, it, it was outdated. It wasn't really... But there wasn't a groundwork laid out for people to have any idea. His theory was the best guess that we had at that time, basically. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Why not? But so there's this section about him and his whole thing that dreams were for wish fulfillment. And then the teacher had... The teacher. The professor, she had asked how many people had ever heard of lucid dreaming before. And it was a class, I want to say, of like 120 so. Something like that. Out of the 120, we'll say, only about... 25 or 30 oh, had even heard of it sad. and then she's like okay how many of you have have ever actually had one and out of those 25 or 30 only about 10 had raised their hand sad and then she said how many of you have done them like proficiently Consistently. okay yeah. and out of those ones there was only like three people that raised oh, their hand shit. saying that they were fucking you oh know. it's so hard this was it's in just t- such a discipline this was in 2008 because i was still dating the girl i was dating at the time and when she there was a book Did by... she get clean too? Oh, or is that different, a different girl. girl. Different okay, girl. different different, girl. different girl. Way different, good. Short answer, no. She's still fucking, you know, I, I think she's living in Arizona. And Maybe her next life. Yeah. I, her sister passed away and I was pretty close with both of them and it was, you know... Yeah, may, maybe. Um, they still got time. Yeah, they still got time. And yeah. uh, so that was in 2008 and I remember there was a book that was also in the thing written by Stephen LeBurge called the world of loose exploring the world of lucid dreaming and it's, it was basically a step-by-step guide yes. mm-hmm. on how to do it like yes. all the different varieties and everything so that was my intro to it yeah and after that i became obsessed with it because i was like <gasps> oh it like grabs you yeah. like it's like yo do yeah. you want to like a vr but like for real basically yeah yeah that's pretty much <laughs> do you like, want to fly <laughs> you know like dragon ball z yeah like that's what i fucking wanted to do <laughs> So bad, AJ. I wanted to fucking do some Kamehameha's and do some fucking Absolutely, shit. Absolutely, because you know, it's all possible. Up. You yeah. can legit do whatever the fuck you want. You can. Ah, yeah. mwah. You, you definitely can. Hell yeah. And there was also oh. a part of me that was like, yeah, I can get laid a whole lot if I do that oh, too. Like, you know? And you know what? Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Who, and on a separate level, who, who, whoever you are that I'm talking to, who are you to say what's good or bad? You can Ask say it, but... sex all you want. Yeah, you can say it, but you're just dumb if you're fucking you're disagreeing with us right dumb. now. Dumb. So that was. Listen to this podcast, guys. Yeah. So maybe maybe we can get Patrick a sponsor. Maybe that would be <laughs> fucking great. Um, so that was my first exposure to what it was, and then going into I don't remember what happened in the dream. I only remember how it ended. Okay. And I remember becoming lucid, and then realizing I was lucid, and then the entire fucking world around me starts like spinning into this mm. fucking morph of color, like just the most beautiful colors I've ever fucking seen in my life, and it was just spinning around. And oh, I, I love like, it. Oh, I woke up and I got. I remember being so excited, and I remember telling. So, oh my god! It's like the first rule of lucid dreaming is like when you excited. realize you're you're there. Don't fucking panic. Yeah. Don't get scared. Don't freak out. Just yeah. cool, stay cool, calm. Collect it. Like stay just calm. be like, yeah, this is totally normal. Like don't move. This is totally fucking fine. Oh, gypsies though. Yeah, yeah. cool. Gargoyles. Hell yeah. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> Dinosaurs. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Whatever you want. It's yeah. That is the first rule. Is when you when it happens when you're new. You just treat it like it's a, like it's don't even acknowledge it really. Yeah, you know, but the feeling you get 
And, if, it, and if you do, it's okay. Just it's come fine. back. You'll yeah. get back there. I You'll promise. get back there. Like, this is the first time. You'll that, get back, I promise. Yeah. And just like for me, that was the first one I'd ever had. And I don't think I had another one until I got clean, clean. And then was starting to work the steps. And as you were saying before about it's a discipline. Oh, when I got clean from so meth, beautiful. Yeah. When I got clean from meth and had to start working the steps, this was the first real example that I had in my life of I could apply myself and fucking get shit done and be consistent about it. This was the because first example. Because it's just as painful. It's, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> That's fucking, why we love it. Yeah. It sucks, but there's such a fucking benefit to it, you know? <laughs> and I took a lot of parallels as I was getting into lucid dreaming of... Oh, so if I all this fucking footwork and go back to Kobe, all this footwork that I'm putting it's into all this thing, so go for it. Yeah, it's like all the footwork that I'm putting in, the effort and the intention, as you're talking about the energy that I'm putting into this thing, I'm getting these results as a as as a because I don't have another fucking word as a result of doing all this effort as an outcome of reality as an outcome, yeah, manifestation. Oh. And I was able to kind of see the parallels of, huh? Well, if I if I apply myself in recovery in the 12 steps and get this out of it what would happen if i put that same energy and focus into the lucid dreaming thing and took that seriously mm. and when i made that <laughs> when i made that fucking uh distinction and i applied it all of a sudden i started having like it became like my life and my obsession yeah. yes and the so just i'm, I'm gonna say this then i'll take it back to you and more of your sure. stories Going back to what I said about my probation officer. At this time, I was talking. I started talking. Like, I wanted to tell everybody about this yeah. thing I was fucking doing. But sh- you can't. You can't. You can't. Like, most people just didn't get it. They were just like, huh? It is truly like a Hogwarts. Yeah. It really is. You can't. You can't. You can't describe it to someone who hasn't experienced it. You really can't. And it's the hardest thing in the world to find someone who has experienced it. Because as soon as, like, I'm sure you've felt this way too. As soon as you start talking to somebody, you can tell whether or not you're going to be able to... Like you, it's almost like a, hello, mm-hmm. are you awake? Tap, tap, tap on yeah. your third eye. But I mean, you find out who you can and can't talk to it about. Yeah, I do know. Sorry, I totally forgot your question. And I, so did I. So it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. So I wanted to tell everybody about this fucking thing. Yeah. Because it was just so, it was at that it's time, exciting. it was the most like powerful experiences In that I've life, ever had. Yeah. You're ever. always told that's not real. Yeah. But then you discover that this is actually re- not only is this real, yeah. but there's an infinite amount of those things out there. Right. And you have access to those things. Yeah. When when people say that something isn't real, like they're oh, in, in meetings all the time I would hear like people would be terrified of their relapse dreams. And this was one of the reasons why I also wanted to get into lucid dreaming at the time was like i fucking hated relapse dreams where all of a sudden i was back on meth and fucking the cops were showing up at my yeah at my door it's it is real it is real yeah it is real like we don't acknowledge it as being real but the fact this is my belief on everything on this reality experience is real Mm -hmm. so just because something isn't physical if you're asleep or awake if you're physically awake if you're experiencing it if you walk through the moment and you experience the moment and you feel what you feel and you see what you see why is that any less real than what I'm doing right now in this waking reality? I've never heard somebody say that before, and I love that you just did because it's never made... Or, well, it makes so much sense. I've never heard somebody say that before. Whatever you experience. Whatever you experience. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. If you see something... If you experience something, it eventually will become your reality, and it becomes ingrained in who you are. So if you see... Part of your vibration. Yeah. It becomes part of your energy and part of your essence as a, yes. as a human. So the fact that people say, because like, they're not real, but people that 
were afraid of those relapse dreams, to them, that shit was fucking real. They wake up sweating and screaming and crying because of how intense it was. Who are you to say? Yeah. yeah. The fact is that you experienced it in your mind or wherever, whatever is yeah. happening. You experienced it. Your consciousness went and experienced these things and it had a physical reaction to your body. So why is that any less real than if you yeah. wakingly went back and did sh- shit? The only exception that I have to it being not real is that if you're not fully lucid and doing those actions yourself, okay. You didn't relapse because you weren't lucid and doing it. Be like, yeah, I'm fucking high and I'm going to go. Or no, I'm yeah. lucid. I'm going to smoke some meth in this dream because it don't count. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. So I would tell my probation officer about these things and she'd be like, yeah, but dreams aren't real. Like, well, I don't remember my dreams. I don't even care. Those aren't real though. Mm-hmm. And that, you know. Makes me cry. I liked her. She she was really cool. But that was one thing I was like, okay, well, she just doesn't understand because she hasn't experienced right. it. Right. But so now going back to, to you, so yeah. that was that was your first experience with this jumping off and the flying one. Yeah, and I I think about it almost on a daily basis. It's like always just kind of in the back of my head. It was much like your experience when I first started really studying lucid dreaming. But it to me, I never looked up lucid dreaming. I always looked up astral projection. Hmm. That's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to get to. All right, folks, that's going to do it for part one of my conversation with AJ. Part two, I'm going to be dropping in exactly a week, so get ready for that. We go more in depth with AJ's experiences with astral projection and talk about the differences between that and lucid dreaming, if there are any differences to be had. And we talk about a bit of the psychedelic stuff and what that can do with your consciousness. Specifically, we talk about (laughs) some of my salvia experiences. So be ready for that. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and stay tuned for the next one.